parfait. It's the semi-finals of Italian 90. We're down to the last three shows. Four if you're including the third place playoff, which I wasn't really gonna, but uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting day. Not a skippable podcast, I'm not saying that, but uh, there'll be plenty in that, don't worry, to, uh, to pad it out. We've got Italy and Argentina here in what is going to be, I think story-wise for the host nation, the, the standout game of the tournament. And Turlock, we've alluded to Maradona stirring shit pre-tournament. And it was always going to happen coming into this game. But the Neapolitans, where he plays his uh, club football, all his home fans there, how much they love him. He claims they should be supporting himself instead of Italy. You sort of alluded your doubts about how successful that actually was in terms of gaining Italian support. It might have been minuscule, but in terms of getting in the opponent's head, starting a few mind games, how, how big do you, do you think that actually was? Um, well, it certainly has an impact because the Italian camp has had to come out and kind of counter it. Now, I, I think we can conclude at this stage that it, he hasn't forced much of a wedge between um, Naples and the national team. There's banners around the stadium for this game that read stuff like um, Maradona, we love you, but Italy is our motherland. Uh, and, but yeah, he's, he keeps trying to stir the pot. He's, he's talking about it, you know, how it's, as he puts it, it's horrible to discover that, discover that there's so much racism against Neapolitans in Italy. This is before the semi-final, so he's still banging that drum. Um, but so obviously Scalacci is, as a, as a Sicilian, is, uh, is the designated man sent out to counter this. And he says, I have become a bit of a symbol of anti-racist reunification of the country. Um, and that's what he likes most about the World Cup. Very interesting that the word, word racism is used so openly to refer to, you know, a, what's really a regional divide, particularly in this day and age when it's, it's hard to get anyone to, to um, acknowledge racism as, as, as a thing you can, um, in a lot of circumstances. You can just imagine Cameroon looking up as they see yet another Black Magic headline going, are you fucking serious? Galachi is your is your, you know, your beacon of fighting racism. That's ridiculous. But I, I didn't quite realise Scalacci was used so much as a, as a counter-argument for this, Sherlock. I, I, I remember it being talked about at the time. I think it was it Milan that, that had a banner uh, about him, about him uniting North and South, which, again, it's, it's probably what you want from your, your World Cup, um, a, a player to bring all of the country together. But I didn't quite realise he was used as such a a response to Maradona's attempt to, to rub their noses in it. Yeah, and I may be doing him a, a disservice. He may have he may have kind of volunteered uh, these quotes, but it certainly it certainly smacks of you know some kind of prepared rebuttal. But I don't I don't know how necessary it was because as I said, I think the crowd is breaking pretty uh, eighty twenty, let's say at the very at the very most in favor of in favor of Italy, although. Um, Argentina had got very good support against the USSR. So as long as in Naples, so as long as uh, as long as the Italians weren't actually involved, the Neapolitans were were getting behind their man. Um, the, one of the kind of, or certainly a very vocal ultra in in Naples, Gennaro Montuori, said, "I would have liked it better if this match never took place," which is a bit ominous because Italian ultras can stop games taking place if they really want to, but. Uh, 
yeah, that kind of indicates the divided loyalties. Um, the mayor of Naples, Pietro Lezzi, comes out very strongly against against Maradona, but I think that issue has pretty much been been put to bed um, ahead of this game. This is going to be a very hostile atmosphere for the Argentinians. Um, Italy are going to get fanatical support, um, and Maradona, I think as, as Dave will possibly tell us, he's, he's not in the best of shape himself. He has an inflamed right foot and a swollen left ankle, and by all accounts can barely walk ahead of this game. I think just with the amount of people you've quoted there, it nearly shows whether, the, as I said, whether the divide worked or not, which it didn't, I suppose we can say. The mind games, every quote is about this coming into this game. So it's very much probably put the pressure all on Italy, the country itself, the fans, you know, all the talk like that pre-match. Is there, is there any kind of modern equivalent? I was trying to think. The only thing I could come up with would be if Klopp went on to manage Germany and they played England, that you could see Liverpool and most of Dublin um, cheering on Klopp's Germany in that kind of hypothetical situation but I can't think of any sort of any any sort of situation where it would even be considered the way this would you know as you said 80-20 uh, I, I can't see any other situation well it's funny because we were just discussing in, in an, a much earlier episode at this stage that uh, for political reasons the crowd in Zagreb for a friendly before this tournament had supported the Netherlands rather than rather than Yugoslavia and the Croatian crowd but yeah short of a, a real uh, gigantic political cleavage like that. I, I can't think of. Um, I can't think of too many scenarios where that would arise these days. Maybe Roy Keane's Azerbaijan if they come to play Dublin. Play in Ireland Cork, possibly. In Cork, possibly. <laughs> Let's get on to the game then and and see how this one turns out. Whether Diego has managed to uh, turn the screw and and whether the Italian fans are all going to buckle under that pressure. Yeah, well, we've, we've spoken throughout the tournament maybe about Maradona and kind of uh, we've kind of touched on it there in terms of the, the Naples connection, the, the Napoli connection even. He's largely been kind of subdued during the tournament, perhaps not at his best, not at his peak anymore, although it should be noted that he did actually lead Napoli to the title that year. So he was, at, at club level anyway, playing a high high level of football. But I suppose this this is the sort of game that has maybe gone down in infamy for its Less for its football in class, I guess, and more for the the ill-tempered off-the-ball incidents where, you know, eight players were booked, one player was sent off. The English journalist Charlie Stewart didn't hold back when he described it as a disgraceful game that sullied the once good name of football. Bear in mind this moment, England were preparing for their own semi-final, so uh, I suppose maybe they were they were looking ahead to the final and, and maybe not, not entirely enthused. As far as the game itself, we're only 17 minutes on the clock when uh, Scalacci opened the score and the, the top scorer, as it was in the tournament at the time, five goals in, in six games. So the architect of the move was very much uh, Giannini. A lovely piece of skill and then probably one of the worst headers you'll ever see to set up Scalacci for, or to set up uh, Gianluca Vialli, sorry, for um, what was a, a remarkable shot considering the circumstances. Uh, he was beaten out by Goykache as he was against Ireland. Scalacci was in the right place at the right time to stab it home. Remarkably more so, you mentioned Viali. Remarkable Viali's on the pitch. We probably forgot to even even give him a mention to the fact that somehow he's he's made his way back in the team for Baggio and, and Bacini's that his old tricks by probably a really bad time to start reverting to type, you know? Well, very much Viali was the, the architect of uh, Scalacci's, um, I suppose, smash and grab goal in the first game of the tournament, the game against Austria, which really kind of set the set the Italians on their way. So I'm not hugely surprised he was in, particularly as Carnavale, the, the Roman striker who had been first choice going into the tournament, had very much not played up to uh, maybe the level that Italy would expect, and Scalacci had very much taken him over. As the game goes on, Italy are reasonably comfortable. It's similar enough to Argentina's quarterfinal against Yugoslavia in the sense that 
Argentina kind of make most of the run, and I suppose they have to after after conceding an early goal. It takes them really until halfway through the second half before um, they're able to hit back in. It's Claudio Canizia, another player who's maybe um, has been a little understone going into the tournament and provides a couple of match turning incidents when he does come on and it's it's very much his header a very simple header that loops over the keeper into the net and it, it's level and the rest of the game is quite uh, quite nip and tuck I referenced Charlie Stewart earlier he goes on to say we had every dirty trick in the book cynical body checking disgraceful tackles and out and out thuggery by the Argentinians although the Italians were no e- angels either but certainly more sinned against than sinning I don't know if there's maybe a little hangover from um, from uh, the 1986 World Cup and uh, the the well-known political troubles between the two sides. He certainly doesn't hold back on the Argentinians. I want a graphic coming up there, sinned against, sins for, you know what I mean? Like a Sky Sports style graphic. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's very, um, what's that Netflix season that's gone up about, about like English football, old school English football. It's gotten absolutely panned since it's gone up. The English game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's very that kind of language, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's an emotional game. And I suppose, considering we are in Italy and uh, Pope John Paul has already um, taken a particular interest in the tournament, maybe uh, sinning is, is appropriate language in this case. But um, Bobby Charlton, the, the World Cup winner in 1966, certainly didn't, didn't agree uh, whatsoever. Uh, his assessment was, this is cracking football, South American football at its best. Well, Liam Brady, who, who famously played for many years in Italy, was a, a little more circumspect about the Italians who um, more or less said they don't have the temperament to go through with it. I feared they wouldn't. So that's that's his assessment. As it goes to extra time, Roberto Baggio is on the pitch at this point, giving the, the, the Italians an extra attacking impetus. And the attacking impetus on this occasion came from uh, the Argentinian Ricardo Giusti, who was sent off for hitting him uh, late in the first period of, of extra time. And so it goes to penalties. And I suppose it's probably inevitable. Maradona ends up scoring one of the pivotal spot kicks for Argentina. It's that man again, Guy Cachea. He saves twice from Donadoni and Serena and the Argentinians go through to the final. These are a selection of today's Italian newspapers and they're all crucifying Maradona. Let's have a look at some of the headlines. La Gazzetta della Sport, the most popular of the Italian newspapers, says Maradona KO'd, Maradona humiliated. Tuto Sport says Maradona ripped apart. And Corriello della Sport says Maradona risks elimination. And they also say Argentina really humiliated. Royal Serena as well. He made such a big impact coming back in. Funny again though, Vicini's had to switch the type. He's had to bring, bring in these players who, who he's brought on early in the tournament to change a game. He waits till they're struggling and then he brings them on at this point. I, I find it very funny that he seems to switch back. I imagine he got a large quantity of the blame, particularly for the kind of stuff with Baggio. Baggio also... Had a great free kick laid on, and and Turlock this probably falls back into more your your Gorakachea criticism. Having watched some of this back now, you start to turn back the other way because he does make some some very vital saves in this, like that free kick, and again from the penalties. Oh no, I think he's excellent in this game, and he's he's very good in in the Yugoslavia game as well. Um, but as I said, kind of similar to Scalacci, it just seems to have been you know he peaked for maybe two games in his career, which is. Uh, with, this was the time to do it, and this is, that's the glory of the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I think it's notable in terms of the penalties as well that Scalacci doesn't take one. He claims he, he, you know, his muscles were a bit tight. He was, he had slight niggle. I think he just bottles it. You can see the press are, are so keen to link Maradona to this. I mean, the credit mm-hmm. Maradona gets for Argentina's goal, despite what <laughs> what he effectively does is just a 
pass out wide. Like wing, yeah. yeah, and they're like, of course, it has to be Maradona. You're like, you didn't even cross it. You didn't do anything. And the same with the penalties. He scores one of four penalties that go in, and ultimately it's it's Serena's penalty, which is a, it's, a, it's not a great penalty at all, now it must be said. Carcaccio as well to say both of them. Italy defeat themselves a bit. I, I think Vicini has to take a large part of the blame. Um, they should be going... We, we know well that Argentina through this tournament have, have done the survival tactics and come up with a couple of special moments, the likes of Canadia, as you mentioned. But Italy, surely, at home, in this kind of setting, should really have looked to take the game to them. And, and while they may have managed in, in some phases, the fact that he's reverted the type and tried to go safe and steady, they probably got what they deserved in the end, the, the Italians. You have to kind of remember that Italy more or less defended their way through this tournament. They didn't score many goals. Scalacci bailed them out in three or four games and um, the the first goal they actually conceded was that Kinesia goal in the second half of, of the semi-final so I, can, I think that probably sums up their mindset a little bit. During this tournament they were very much kind of the, the archetypal Italian sort of Catanaccio side, they score a goal and then they get behind the ball and uh, it, it's worked for them up to this point but um, I think against Argentina, against a team with Maradona playing his best game in the tournament, their luck ran out, ran out a little bit, even though they did they did get all the way to penalties. If Diego going into this tournament was being voted like the ugliest man in the world and all by Italians, I can only imagine his popularity fell and fell from there. I don't think he was ever that worried about whether people liked him or not. He was, I think his pre-tournament comments about, you know, Napoli being discriminated against and all that stuff, I think that kind of, uh, he was very much... Um, comfortable with the, the idea of being the pantomime villain and I think he plays up to it to a point Can I just say actually I did lo- love his quote just when you say that because I mean what he's, what he's actually using as an example there is probably quite fair if you remember the signs that would have been sort of mocking Neapolitans dying of cholera and stuff like that um, that that was the Juventus fans brought to the stadium or something like that. So he he's that's, <laughs> that's niche niche niggle right there. Yeah, but yeah, I know, isn't it? But Maradona actually says Naples has always been forgotten by the rest of Italy, and then he corrects himself and he goes, "In fact, it has always been given a slap in the face by the rest of Italy." <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that is, but yeah, he's it's, always had a way with words. I I just wonder though, like I just wonder though, how how could he have been hated anymore? They all look quite devastated after as well. Even watching the, can't say um, I was too delighted. Argentina went through on this one. Turlock, do you remember people's opinions on Argentina at this point were were already quite low, weren't they? As Dave kind of alluded to at the start, there's a lot of there's a lot of bah humbug in the newspaper. Absolutely, particularly if you've been following the British press or even just watching the listening to the commentary on you know the British TV stations. They've been they've been full on bashing the Argentinians as kind of mindlessly negative thugs. This is something that goes back to 86, to the Falklands, to 66. There's, there's a huge amount of kind of uh, cultural stuff overlaid on top of this. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a crime to not be as good as you were in 86 and still do well. Um, you know, I'm, I, and I think there's actually, if you look up YouTube, there's a super cut of all Maradona's touches from this game. And you can see that he's still, if he's not the most impactful player in the world still, he's still technically the most brilliant and I think the fact that he managed to kind of wring one last great performance not not probably as dominant as performances in 86 but at least show the flag you know show his teammates that if we stay in this I can still I can still win this game I can still put us through and mm. um, I think actually his that little pass he plays to Alarte Alar- Alar- Kachea before the before the cross and um, for Kanija's goal 
it's really simple, but he, he does play it so that Alert Kachea has no choice but to cross it in. He, he's, he was a kind of a, a genius for that kind of brilliant first touch followed by a really, really clever uh, second ball, you know, even if it was a very simple layoff. This is a slightly, this is a slightly blasphemous comparison, but actually reminds me a lot of Glenn Crow in the final stage of his career when he couldn't <laughs> when he couldn't run beyond the defenders anymore and he just played really simple balls in the last third of the pitch that that opened things up. Yeah. If you compare Maradona here to say Zidane in 2006 when he was kind of really strapped up and playing on on basically one leg, Maradona here was playing with no functional legs and still manages to be not just Argentina's best player but also their talisman. Just to refer back to Liam Brady. Liam Brady, for, for a man who's so steeped in Italy, has a fairly jaundiced view of, of Italians, particularly in, in relation to penalties. I remember in the programme for his testimonial, he's talking about the time his penalty won Juventus the title mm -hmm. um, on the last day after he knew he was being replaced by Platini. And uh, he said, the crowd being Italians would have said I'd missed deliberately if I didn't score. Uh, so it seems like uh, I'm not sure if his his prediction about Italy during the semi during the shootout was brilliant insight or just a little bit prejudiced. To be honest, and did, didn't they kind of make him out to be some sort of hero because he didn't deliberately miss the penalty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Maradona's penalty in this he he runs away as though he either thinks the yeah. shootout is over or he doesn't care yeah. because he's scored. It's a Ronaldo sort of thing, isn't he, it? He'd heard what Lee Brady said. He's like, well, it's as good as over now that I've scored. I should mention that Turlock referred to the Falklands there. We should, we should point out for our Argentinian viewers, or indeed if Diego Maradona is listening, that it is disputed territory and it's known as the, the Malvinas in its uh, original language. Fair play. We're going to have to release a disclaimer after this. Well, look, Argentina have, um, have, have gotten where they needed to go. Bilardo, as I said earlier in, this, uh, in, this in these podcasts, Bilardo had talked about uh, them needing to get to the final or the plane falling from the sky. So they've gotten there. No need for any planes to fall from any skies. That's probably the most inspiring Bilardo's been because I, I was talking to you guys <laughs> off air about his attempt at mind games beforehand, naming his team 48 hours early each time. I think he says he tried to confuse the Italians by just putting De Sotti in. I don't think the Italians were too bothered either way. But uh, yeah, either way, the Argentinians have, have made it. We might check in at home, Turlock, and, and just see how things are looking. Yeah, the aftershocks are still very much uh, being felt. Um, 118 jurors are facing prosecution in Dublin alone for failing to, failing to turn up for jury duty during the World Cup. Um, they're looking at, at at least a £50 fine for that. Jack, meanwhile, has, uh, has kind of gone to ground. He's back on a, a long-awaited fishing trip in the UK with a, a carbon fibre rod that the that Erlingus have given him. Has he brought Bobby along? Because they were talking about I fish. I think this is the trip, before. yeah. Bobby's, Bobby's still not, at the World Cup, yeah. In Italy, he's talking about the crack in football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's also some speculation about his future. He has kind of a gentleman's agreement to go up to the next World Cup, but his contract only takes him up to 92. So uh, a lot of people want the FBI to firm that up. Um, we know that... We know that firming up managers' contracts after a single good tournament is is uh, best practice from from subsequent years, uh, but in this case, I think I think it's the right decision. Meanwhile, Steve Staunton has had a huge homecoming of his own in Dundalk. Is Steve Staunton actually from Dundalk, or is he from Drogheda? Yeah, Dave. Dave knows this well. Dave, his Dave, brother played for Drogheda, I think. 
if, if I'm not mistaken, Dave, did you tediously uh, link him to the Dundalk job when Stephen Kenny left? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, huge numbers of his of his uh, fellow citizens have turned up just for a, a kind of a, a one man homecoming. Um, but unfortunately, his luggage has gone missing in the interim. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, there's been a a star-studded game in Rome, a UN famine relief game between Europe and the Americas, which finished Europe 10, Americas 7, with four goals each for Rossi and Zico. So, yeah, n- no shortage of goals at that one. And actually, doesn't Bobby, Bobby's at that. Bobby's playing on that, I believe. So that's, he's definitely not fishing with Jack. <laughs> that's the thing we forget. Like, uh, this was 24 years after 1966. We think, it, you know, that, that being so long ago, but it's actually closer to 1966 than it is to now. Absolutely, yeah, that, that kind of fries my head a bit. That said, like, 90, I, like I was a kid in 1990, but 1966 seemed impossibly long ago then because I guess because of, you know, black and white and all that kind of, uh, that kind of alienation you get from, from having such a distinct visual break with the past. But yeah, the, that, that's, I, I reflect on that occasionally when I'm thinking about 1990 and it does, it does freak me out. That's the thing, even during, you know, Italian 90, I always thought of Jack Charlton as just being this old, old man, but really he was just a, you know, a fairly young man at the time. He's yeah. still whereas, going strong at the moment. That's the thing, whereas now he is an old, old man. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't oh, say that, Dick. He is. He's, a well, he's 85, isn't he? <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. There was something wrong with when you said it years ago. Right. <laughs> I was a kid. I had an excuse. Right, we well, note so- as well that Olivia de Havilland, uh, when this game is played, has just turned 74. And as we're recording, she's just turned 104. Wow. Well. That is, I mean, can we describe her as an old, old woman? <laughs> I think it's probably fair to do that at that point. Right, well, tomorrow we are going to bring you the next of the semi-finals. England are going to take home West Germany. This is Giannini, still Giannini. Good save, and then in again, it's that man again. Scalacci has done it once more. Maradona, played to the wide man, three in the middle. Canigi on the near post, and scored! 1-1. And a place in the final of the World Cup of 1990 is going to be decided from the spot. Oh! Who would be in the shoes of Donadoni? That's Serena. Must score. For Italy are out of their World Cup.